As the vaccination effort enters its second month, it's clear the current strategy is way behind what Americans were promised. Despite the U.S. having about 15.4 million doses of vaccine, only about 4.5 million have been immunized. With no federal plan, each state is going about distribution differently. And here in California, anxiety about how long that wait will be can be seen in public comments released about the next vaccination phase. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Greg Moran, over the weekend, you wrote a story explaining kind of what people are saying about phase 1B, which is the next phase in the vaccine rollout. Can you explain this process the state is undergoing to decide who should come next when it comes to vaccinations? Right. I'll try. It is uh, kind of uh, unnecessarily complex, I think. But basically, the state is uh, making uh, what is, I should say, a very difficult decision, which is who who gets the vaccine and in what order? Everybody wants it. We all, most of us want it. Many, many people want it, uh, and many people want it yesterday. But you can't have everybody get vaccinated enough. There's a limited supply. Logistics are a problem, and some some people ought to be uh, in line ahead of the others. So the state has devised a system, uh, kind of run through the state health department. Of they have a, a vaccine advisory working group. They have another group that oversees the work of that group, and eventually that, uh, uh, I think there's a third level of kind of approval and review, and ultimately they end up with uh, kind of a rollout, a lineup of uh, broad categories of people, residents of the state, and the order in which they will be vaccinated. And it's based on age, occupation, uh, risk, and and some other factors, the What's the biggest benefit uh, to society uh, by vaccinating some people over the others? Um, the, the state has completed the first uh, kind of uh, phase of that, phase 1A, which was sort of uh, the people we've been seeing getting vaccinated over the last couple of weeks and kind of the obvious, I think, choices. People work in hospitals, doctors, frontline workers, healthcare workers. Uh, and now uh, the next step, which is probably will be done this week is to figure out who's in phase 1B, who's the next group. And uh, the story I wrote and the comments that I looked at were from all across the state, individuals, groups, uh, uh, kind of uh, advocating uh, that they be included in that in that next tier, that next phase of inocula- of vaccinations. Yeah, can you give us a sense of the true range of people that submitted comments? Can you kind of give us a little slice of that long, long pie? Yeah, it was really interesting to read through them. There's hundreds of pages of them, and the state posts these all, all of these online. If you go to the uh, California Department of Health uh, webpage, and they have a big banner for COVID information, you go to that, click on a, a subtitle that gets you vaccines, and eventually you'll end up at this page, which posts in PDF form, all the comments they've received. And it is, uh, I was telling somebody earlier, uh, it's a cross-section really of, of this diverse, large, uh, vigorous state, uh, both in terms of individuals, uh, organizations that are writing in, uh, and uh, the, uh, where they are in the state. And the comments range from uh, somewhat bureaucratic, you know, letters of uh, uh, from an agency or from uh, uh, a, an organization laying out their case for 
why they believe they should be given priority or why they need to be deemed essential workers. And then uh, much more personal and, and sometimes very short messages from individuals, um, teachers, uh, deputy public defenders who work in courts and jails, um, grandmothers, uh, uh, there's a commercial fishing uh, guy who works on a commercial fishing boat, Brennan, and he said, look, I work on a commercial fishing boat. It's close quarters. Uh, I don't go into the cabin to eat. I sleep on the deck. I take my meals on the deck. I work on the deck. Uh, it's a small community. It was up in the Bay Area. We go from boat to boat. We need the vaccine. We're part of the food supply. Can you get us this information? So you get you see all kinds of different um, people. Uh, in it. Like I said, it, it really reflects... Uh, both the size of our state, and I think it illuminates the complexity of the decision-making that has to be done here. I mean, how do you prioritize dentists over anesthesiologists? I don't know. Yeah, it's like a combination of, you know, risk analysis, forecasting, and then a series of truly ethical judgments that, as a society, we kind of struggle with those, uh, you know, choosing who should get something first or last. So, I mean, it it is a sign that everyone has their own argument saying I should be next, but it's really kind of eye opening just to consider, you know, the breadth and depth of all of California saying it should be me. I, I agree. And I mean, I think in the story I referred to as a Solomon like decision and it, it might be overstating it a little bit. They're not really splitting babies, but they are making these very fraught uh, ethical uh, uh, decisions um, which are really going to affect a lot of people. I mean, there's a big time difference between phase 1B and phase 1C. You know, that could be weeks, probably weeks, could be months. Uh, and if you get sick between those things, you know, it, it, it means a lot. And I think uh, I really grew to appreciate both the, the complexity of the decision, the breadth of the decision, and the weight of it. You know, the, these are, it is, I kind of rolled my eyes and said, well, it's a very complex process. I mean, it can be bureaucratic. But these are really uh, kind of real-time ethical decisions. These aren't things that we're saying, you know, five years from now, this is how we'll do it. you got to make these decisions right now. Everybody's quite anxious. Um, the rollout has not been great, uh, as you mentioned at the top. Uh, so it, to do all that and to try to make these what are essentially value judgments, I think, is, is a difficult task. You know, they're, they're being asked to decide – uh, who is an essential worker, you know, even though that is defined in state law and federal law, and that's something we've talked a lot about uh, and people are very familiar with. And, and we know uh, the hard feelings that people have from those, right? A lot of the protests go from, come from people saying, look, my business is closed. Why aren't I considered essential? Um, you're, you're kind of, it's the same sort of decision matrix with the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And from reading all these different kinds of correspondence, how would you characterize the mood of this state, how it comes to, you know, both getting the vaccine and how Newsom has handled, you know, the pandemic here? Can you kind of get a, a sense of the public pulse from these comments? I think you can. I, I really do. And, and I tried to bring that out in the story. I thought it was it's a very interesting uh, collection. It's kind of an archive. It's sort of a a real-time journal in a way of where we are at this point, this really dark point in the pandemic right now with the, with this surge, with uh, the increasing in deaths, with that, that's made somewhat even more tense by the fact that there is a vaccine. So we can see this light, but the tunnel is longer and darker. You know, you get all these tensions. And I think that's reflected 
in a lot of the letters. I mean, no one comes right out and says, I'm more important than, than X or Y. Um, I think that's the implication in a lot of them, uh, but it's not done out of any vindictiveness. The, the overall um, sense I got from reading through all of them was how, how, how much people want this, uh, which sounds like an obvious statement, but uh, the reasons perhaps why they want it, uh, there is a real kind of undercurrent of a, a yearning for a return to normalcy. It, we, we need to get the schools open. Teachers have to be back in the classroom. I need to meet my clients, you know, and not just from a business perspective, um, family issues, neighborhood issues, and things like that. So you see, I think, even as as couched the rhetoric can be and as sometimes bureaucratic or very government-oriented, there is a sense of urgency. There is a, a real, uh, not quite desperation, but uh, a level of impatience. Uh, I think everybody's mm -hmm. fatigued and exhausted by, by the pandemic and they think, you know, if they can just get bumped up a couple of places in line, that'll solve a lot of problems. Uh, it would bring their life back to some normalcy. It might bring their business or their industry back to some normalcy. And uh, we can start putting this in the rearview mirror. But it's a, uh, I think, you know, historically, this would be one of those things you'd look at from 10 years from now and say in December, November and December of 2020, just after the vaccines were announced and were beginning to get uh, haltingly rolled out. This is what it sounded like and for, to a lot of people in California. Mm -hmm. And one of the advantages of Plan 1B is that we've started Plan 1A, so we have you know additional real-world data and understanding of what went wrong, what went right, some messaging problems. How do you expect the state is going to look at the rollout so far and use that to change 1B because these tiers and lists and priorities are Byzantine. Do you think they'll, you know, maybe streamline it a little bit just to get more people vaccinated, even if they have to be, you know, a little more fungible than they were in 1A? I think so. Uh, and I would kind of hope so, because to me, somebody coming in this, I'm covering the COVID issue. I'm not a health reporter. It was like kind of a little confusing to figure out even where we were in 1A. Um, I think there's such, you know, a lot of the guidance here are these kind of overarching principles they're trying to follow, which is what I mentioned, which is to maximize benefit for the greatest number of people in society. You know, another one is equity, equity issues, health, health equity issues, and an awareness that uh, I think two things: one, that no one uh, jumps the line uh, because of their because they are rich or because they're advantaged or because they're connected or something like that. The fact that all this is online, and I think the state is being very transparent, is a good thing. Um, uh, so you know, the equity issue uh, applies to that, but it also applies to kind of a larger issue about the historical inequity that has been in the healthcare delivery system, you know, uh, people who aren't white, who aren't connected, uh, who aren't wealthy, you know, have not been able to access health services on the same level as, as people like me have been able to. And I think with something this important, a public health initiative, this important, literally a matter of life and death, the state really wants to be careful and wants to be fair and wants to be uh, aware of that equity issue. So, what they're going to do, what they've learned from 1A, I think I think they have to get better messaging. You know, the uptake has been very slow. 
Um, some of that is not for reasons of, of whatever the rollout is, but it's people who are wary about the vaccine or against vaccines or don't trust the science or whatever. Um, but I think they have to uh, get more needles in arms. And I think uh, uh, particularly now with the surge and the new variant and the hypertransmissibility of this new variant, I, th I would think this is, is going to be a little bit more flexible, maybe be broader, include more types of workers in there just to get more people into a seat and, and get a needle in their arm. Uh, so mm -hmm. uh, I think the first one, um, you know, it was limited by supply. It was limited by a complete abdication of responsibility by the federal government, in my opinion. Uh, I think they've, they've, they've seemed to be kind of getting their arms around that and now really kind of have to get a big opening for this next phase. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, over the past two weeks, when it became clear that the U.S. was not you know, reaching its promises when it came to vaccinations, uh, one of the main arguments that came out is that perhaps rather than this Byzantine tiered system, there should be something that's maybe based on age or something that's extremely broad because one of the arguments made by Matthew Iglesias is that the more Byzantine the system, the more chances you have people to argue, potentially litigate it, and further delay the rollout of the vaccine. What do you think about doing something in the complete opposite? You know, having something that's maybe like, you know, two weeks, it's everyone who is, you know, 90 or older, and then it goes down to something like, you know, every decade, every three weeks or something like that. What do you think about completely reversing this and doing something that's extremely broad and something you just can't argue with? I think not not having kind of looked at all the ins and outs of this very closely, but I think uh, that would be a good approach if you have a uh, robust and reliable uh, supply chain that you know that there's going to be a lot more vaccine rolling into the state uh, whenever. You know, this is, at least at first, you know, th this is a, a, a problem of scarcity, right? I mean, if, if you took economics classes or whatever, you remember the, the scarcity problems and things like that. So this is a uh, a vital resource. This is a, a highly sought after resource and it's a very scarce supply. So how do you do that? At, not as a private company, but as a government to, to spread the benefit as widely as you can and as, and as equitably and ethically as you can, ethically including getting it to people who need it most. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it would be, I mean, I've seen people write about Israel. You know, Israel is, uh, you know, I think, um, determinedly trying to vaccinate older, very old people, you know, 90 plus, 80 plus, 70 plus. And, and part of the data seems to show if you do that uh, by those kind of way upper tier age groups, no offense, I'm going to be there soon. Um, you know, the, the overall fatality rate really drops because I mean, those people, if they get sick, if you're that age, you know, your chances of, of dying from this are, are go up a lot. So if you kind of take care of that, super vulnerable or most vulnerable population that will lower the death numbers, that eases uh, the, the strain on the system and so forth. So I think the Iglesias point, whatever, is well taken, but I, I think a, a lot of what the state was dealing with here, and I'm not trying to be a mouthpiece for him, was this issue of we only have this much, we're a big place, everybody wants it, what do we do? Um, if you can turn that around and get, okay, now we got all kinds of things, we got more than we know. It was like aspirin. You know, we got more than we can handle. Okay, everybody line up, you know, on Tuesday and, and off, off to the races we go. Yeah, I think that would be better. But I, I think a, a lot of the programming here is driven by, you know, it's a new product. I mean, it's uh, lack of supply. 
certainly. And there's not a ton of information about what the Biden administration will do, but it it does seem like they're hoping for some kind of mass vaccine rollout in the spring or summer where, you know, you would have that, you know, it's Tuesday, everyone with the last name M needs to go kind of situation. Right. You know that, I mean, I hope that would be, that would be great. Uh, I think that would be better, but I just don't think supply wise we're, we're in that position right now. Mm-hmm. All right, Greg Moran, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix. If you want to include the San Diego Union Tribune in your morning routine, check out our daily flash briefing. Every weekday morning, hear a quick summary of the day's top stories. Just search San Diego Union Tribune wherever you get your podcasts, including smart speakers. Until next time.